Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the SmackDown review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review SmackDown but also Money Now, NXT Dubai, oh, AW, oh. Rampage. Pay-per-views, we have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a buddy good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review the post-Survivor Series episode of SmackDown. And it was an eventful one, wasn't it? Unlike the Survivor Series, in which that <laughs> might as well have not occurred based on how flat the build-up was, how nothing the follow-through was. This eventful is the word. Um, I don't know. Are we... Was there a time that the praise was heaped upon SmackDown in such a way that we maybe in response to that became slightly overcritical of the show? I, I don't know. I ask myself this question a lot with this because I've not been having a good time with SmackDown lately. We've reviewed most of them together and I think I've been sort of fairly upfront about where I think the show is continuing to look more and more like Raw. This had stuff happen on it and it was quicker and typically with SmackDown, you can isolate one or two decent individual performances. I don't know. I just, I don't think there's a particularly good energy on this show anymore. I think a lot of what people got out of this for the longest time was that in contrast to Raw, it felt so alive. It's hard mm. not for any wrestler or any storyline or any bout of enthusiasm you might have to just go out there to die on a Monday night. That wasn't the case for such a long time on SmackDown. But I keep going back to this same point and, you know, I'm like, Jim or Tim for that matter in the office I'm boring myself talking about it so I must be boring the listeners too the lack of an obvious plan mm. beyond you know a wrestler that's going to return soon and I guess the the novelty of the battle royal we're, we're going to talk about the show the lack of a big picture plan for Roman Reigns is really starting to show itself now it's coming at the expense of this whole show yeah I, I feel like a broken record I say this all the time uh I will perpetually think Smackdown is streets ahead of SmackDown for a variety of reasons. It's an hour less television, obviously. There are flashes of great things on here. Roman Reigns is just, for me, I'm not tied out. I know you you weren't, you're, you're not exactly as, as big a fan as you were. I'm flagging still, a bit. I'm flagging a bit. Yeah. I still 
love every second he's on my screen, whether he's wrestling or talking, if I'm perfectly honest, especially with, with Paul Heyman by his side. The intrigue is still there for me. I completely agree that I have no idea, and I don't think WWE have an idea other than Brock, who's going to take this title off him. And probably the most important thing is I watch Raw at about 6 a.m. on a Tuesday, a cold Tuesday <laughs> morning around this time of year. Grumpy, long week ahead. Love, love doing the, the content with the boys, obviously, but even so, waking up early to watch Raw and watching Raw makes me very sullen for that day. <laughs> I watch SmackDown about midday on a Saturday, toasty and warm in bed, maybe with some nice buttery toast like I did on Saturday, <laughs> having had about a 10-hour sleep. So they could have put almost anything on this show and I'd have gone, yeah, it's all right. So I've watched it in an hour or whatever it may be. And there were flashes of good stuff on here. One thing I was particularly a fan of, uh, even though it was immediately undercut, but there are also moments where I was watching it thinking, oh, we're going to bury that on Monday with some of the decisions they made. But we'll get into it and we'll, we'll go through it as the show goes along. The show started with the real star of SmackDown coming out. No, not Roman Reigns. Hi, Kyla! Kayla Braxton is in the ring and she starts talking about rumours regarding the lifting of Brock Lesnar's suspension. And then, of course, Roman Reigns' music hits and he walks down to the ring flanked by Paul Heyman. And as he's doing that, because it takes a bloody age, they recap what happened with him and Biggie at Survivor Series. Heyman comes in. He's got a history with Kayla. It's one of the best feuds I think they've had in 2021 in WWE. He mocks Kayla Braxton for talking about rumours. He says, we don't talk about rumours on the island of relevancy. He says, look, you're trying to make a name for yourself as a journalist, but all you're, you're going off of is hearsay, gossip, whatever you want to call it. Gets booed and obviously turns that around and says to the fans, no, don't boo Kayla. None of you are worthy of delivering judgment to anyone in this ring. He tells Kayla to do her job. Next time she's around Roman, she should be dealing in facts not rumours. He runs her down, basically, uh, and then says, until she's a legitimate journalist, she should leave the ring of Roman Reigns. He forces her out of the ring as the We Want Brock chants echo around the arena. Reigns takes the microphone and, and talks to his wise man about rumours. He says, only losers believe in rumours. He says, everyone hears a rumour. And Lesnar is the number one loser. He said, I went across the world and I smashed him. And he mocked Big E and said, I did the exact same thing to him at Survivor Series 2. He says, look, that's just the latest, though. And in a long list of people I've beaten, I'm, I'm basically lapping the roster at this point, he, he inferred. <laughs> uh, management is desperate to find someone for him. So desperate that they've made this battle royal tonight. Whether it's battle royals, gauntlet matches, it doesn't matter. You could even let three, four people, who cares? Anyone could win tonight and it still wouldn't matter because I'm going to smash them all because I'm the best. I'm the greatest of all time in addition to all my other titles. And when my days are finally done, which could be sooner rather than later, the whole world will acknowledge me. I mean... It's not setting the world on fire, this specific promo, but I just eat it up when he's on. I can't take my eyes off the screen. Mm, he, he's not wrong in anything he's saying, but again, I question how much of a problem that is at this point. The whole, I guess, joy of a promo like this, typically, when, when done perfectly, and this has been done really well, so I don't want to be overly critical of half-decent WWE content here. But the whole joy of this is typically that the 
the crowd, and whether or not they chant it or not, it's irrelevant, but the crowd starts to feel that there is somebody, there is that, there is that feeling bubble. It's be a bit like the best comparison I can think of right now would probably be that every promo of Britt Baker cuts, you can sit there and you can watch and you can ha- you can believe her, you can believe that she believes what she's saying, and you can sit there and think, well, I until Thunder Rosa finally gets you. Or Rio, I don't think Britt Baker's beaten Rio, has she? Which is something nice that AW are working with right now. I've, I've mm. invoked them accidentally here because I know that people get a bit cross when we bring the, the two up together, but I'm trying to compare wrestling shows. Um, I don't think that... One of the reasons why I think that these are starting to feel like they're dragging to some, and I know you kind of said there that they're not for you, but you maybe acknowledge that they are <laughs> for other people, is that I just... The truths now feel too true, you know? Gone is the day... Gone are the days of Roman, other than this obvious Lesnar situation that we were always going to get back to after Saudi Arabia. Gone is the sensation that he is on borrowed time waiting for the, the guy that's going to finally come around and challenge him or, I don't know. I, it's, I, I, do, I just feel like I'm making the same point over and over again, but they need to do such a better job. Not just, And the thing is, you can't just cheat this now. You can't just build up the babyface, whomever that is. You know, there was a period of time in the summer where we thought maybe Big E was that guy. And that's been done now. So he's probably not that guy. You can't just rely on people's belief that eventually The Rock will return because even if he does, would it be that healthy to have The Rock be the mm-hmm. guy to beat him? No. He's, he's there for Roman to win. You need not just to build up one baby face that is ultimately the guy. You kind of need to build up three or four. They did so well in finding challenges for Roman earlier this year when the mythical eventual top boss was there supposedly hiding. You had your edges, you had your demon Finn Balor, Cesaro to a lesser extent, just people that looked like perfect opponents for the Kevin Owens back at the start of this mm. year in the Royal Rumble run, never going to win. But in Rey Mysterio, another one, never going to win. But the point was you could justifiably get one big title match out with them while you waited for the big monster in the, lurking in the background that was actually going to beat him. Not only have they not got the individual challenges lined up particularly, um, or at least it doesn't feel like that. Nobody yet really, for example, top of my head, nobody is thinking, I but just wait till Drew McIntyre gets his shot. Mm. For example, you know, like he's not at that level and it just feels like it's a long way up for that. Um, so one last point, you like drew attention to it and rightfully so, Caleb Braxton versus Paul Heyman is the best long-term storytelling this company's done in about a year. Like, and I say that without any flippancy, they have worked together and quite tirelessly so, on developing a chemistry, on developing a dislike and a mistrust of one another. They work together on talking smack. Love, would love it, particularly during the build to the Brock match, that Kayla would catch Paul Heyman while he was already quite stressed and tense and she would kind of take advantage of that. Absolutely right that she'd be brought in to be the, the you always like it when I say this, the stir that straws, that stirs the drink. Yes. Like that's her, in the, that's her in this angle and she absolutely should be. It's good stuff. Uh, and then it was followed by the two best friends in all of SmackDown, Drew McIntyre and Jeff Hardy, to team up, uh, <laughs> take on Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Bit of a recap before this. And uh, early on, Jeff Hardy takes control uh, after a bit of back and forth. Leg drop, basement drop kick on Corbin. Takes Corbin off the apron with a clothesline. But then, of course, Madcap Moss running interference, jumps him from behind. He sends Hardy over the barricade. They take control from there. As we come back from the break, Corbin still in control. He even knocks McIntyre off the apron to allow them to isolate Jeff Hardy. Hardy and Moss uh, take each other down with a double clothesline, and that allows Hardy to get to the corner. 
tagging McIntyre, who just comes in and runs wild, uh, throws Corbin right across that ring with a brilliant belly-to-belly suplex, sets up for the Claymore, but Moss distracts him. That allows Corbin to hit a great-looking deep six on Drew McIntyre for a near fall. Corbin tags Moss in. Moss attacks McIntyre from behind, but McIntyre recovers, Claymore's him, and then, of course, McIntyre gestures to Hardy, who I'm right in thinking he was in his hometown, wasn't he? Tags Hardy in, Swanton bomb. I love the uh, older Jeff Hardy Swanton, who's like, well, I've taken enough bumps (laughs) in my lifetime. Mad Cat Moss, you'll be in the full force of my body just falling on top of you. One, two, three, McIntyre and Hardy get the win. Yeah, this um, there was so little to really take from the content of this match that the Jeff Hardy hometown thing made me actually look at where this was. This is in um, North Carolina. I think it was at the Greensboro Coliseum, which yeah. is this historic building that, that Cody would give his right arm to be able to run an AEW show there. And it made me wonder why we didn't do what they've done the last, well, not maybe not last year, but a lot of years, and just dusted off the Starcade, Monica. Mm. They could have done Star, they could have done Starcade SmackDown, not just because it would have wound up certain people in AEW, because it really would have, but also because they might have got a number akin to the Halloween Havoc draw that they get, the fact that there's a pay-per-view in a couple of weeks called War Games. They finally opened up to using... WCW branding when it suits. And I just thought, oh, what a, what a shame that was. Otherwise, um, <laughs> it was a bit hair ruffly, wasn't it? Drew McIntyre giving that tag to Jeff Hardy. Yeah. And it was like the opportunity to do something nice for the local before they did something nasty to him later on in the card because they just can't you know, help themselves. Um, <laughs> but aye, this was this was decent enough. Drew is at very least, the brand extension shouldn't ever create this feeling and yet typically once a year it does it for maybe two or three talents drew does feel refreshed by the movie he does doesn't he he does and I, like again for for all the reasons why we criticize it it typically doesn't work save for maybe two or three talents that are fairly well handled post draft and drew they genuinely do feel like they've somehow manufactured a fresh start with drew compared to how stale he was on Raw. Mm. So fair play, and I think that continues. Again, I don't think he's anywhere near ready to be the guy that could beat Roman Reigns, but I just I like this run that he's on at present, and I hope that they at least keep it going to the Royal Rumble, because I think in him, oh. if he's not indeed a, if he's not indeed the day one person, in him you've got a great story about a guy that wants to do do 2020 all over again, but do it right. Yeah, mm. yeah I completely agree. Uh, right, we go to the back where Aaliyah is chatting with uh, Kayla and then Aaliyah sees Paul Heyman coming and gets out of Dodge. Heyman sneaks up and whispers in Kayla's ears, sinister as he is, uh, asking whether she's got any updates, any confirmations, any denials, anything like that. Look, he says Brock got himself suspended on purpose so he could hide behind it and he didn't have to face the head of the table, etc., etc. He says, Kayla, if you don't have a confirmation or a denial about Brock by the end of the night, some people are saying that you might be gone. She double G, double O, double N, double E, gone. Uh, he says, well, at least that's what I'm pushing for. But then again, that might just be a rumour. What a git he is. Great. Really, really good. Again, not sure there's uh, much money in, you know, Kayla Braxton versus Roman Reigns, but I'd take uh, Kayla Braxton finding an advocate to fight Roman Reigns to get to Paul Heyman at this point. I'm so invested in these two's professional jealousy and rivalry. It's great stuff. I, I would love uh, Roman Reigns with his representative, Paul Heyman, and Brock Lesnar with his representative, Kayla Braxton. They've just got so much <laughs> in common. That's the thing. I love that. I love the idea of... Um, like Kayla, because you know she wore the Paul Heyman gear um, for Halloween as well. Yes. 
imagine just once they're coming out to like steward a contract signing in that attire. <laughs> they love mocking how Paul Heyman looks as it is. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, then we got Ridge Bloody Ollins in-ring debut on SmackDown. He was facing Cesaro, who can pretty much drag a great match out of anyone. Um, Ridge Holland comes out to Sheamus's music because he loves him that bloody much. Um, <laughs> and Sheamus joins Cole and McAfee to sing his praises on commentary. Uh, they said that Ridge Holland's got this new gimmick where he was uh, he switched into wrestling because he was banned from rugby for being too aggressive and too reckless. Can't help but feel... And I've uh, heard that before. He's in the ring with Cesaro. <laughs> uh, I don't know, no coincidence there. Um, look, Cesaro takes the early advantage, uppercuts in the corner and the like, and then Sheamus yells at Ridge and he fires up and just rocks Cesaro. He hits him with headbutts. He just sort of tackles him at the knees and sends him flying. He uh, suplexes him. Grabs him in a chin lock. Cesaro fights back, but then Holland catches him with a slam and dominates him in the corner, stamps on him. He has battered Cesaro for the most of this match. And Sheamus is saying how bloody great he is. And just as he's doing that, Cesaro rolls up Ridge Holland. One, two, three. The young boy got carried away, didn't he? I'm not sure it's a good idea to necessarily beat Ridge Holland here, but the way they did it, I'll almost allow it because it's a good story of Oh, you thick bastard. You've got too het up, too giddy, as a parent might say to a child at a school disco, and look what you've done to yourself. Yeah, I know that was the point. It's, you know, inexperience and all that. I just, I'm so numbed to this. It's, yes, he, it's okay for Holland to not quite have everything together yet, but could he not just have beaten him anyway? Mm. I love that rugby point you've made there because they've just forgotten it, haven't they? They've forgotten that was ever Cesaro's backstory. Mm. Like, they, of all the opponents, to, like, if he, if Rich Holland was fighting anybody else in this brand and they'd have made that point, we'd have been like, oh, there's probably something with Cesaro there because he'll come up and be like, ah, oh, same, same, I'll see you out there. But no, it just gets brought up and thrown out in a match with the guy who they'd once done this story with. Jesus. Okay, so I don't care about anything. Um, I, I, yeah, this wasn't for me. I, I honestly thought this existed for Ridge Holland to look better than he is, to look further along in his development than he is, and to get an all-important win because Sheamus, as we knew, was going to be out there, is in this position where he's got this old friend, this old partner, an old loyalty in Cesaro, but this new guy that is building him up, that is boosting his ego because he's basically a super fan. And this idea that Seamus, if he was going to do anything at ringside, it would be to help out Ridge Holland get the win. Um, I look at this, you know, and I could honestly see this ending in Cesaro and Seamus reforming Bar mm. and Ridge Holland having to get a new partner of his own in that same way that, I don't know, the AP and the New Age Outlaws destroyed the Ascension. Like, they're not as loyal to the Bar as they are Attitude Era Acts but they're certainly loyal to older guys than newer guys. Otherwise, why would have Cesaro got this in the first place? Why? And I know it was it was presented as a steel one. Cesaro rolled out and celebrated on the ramp as all the great yes. winners do. But like, Christ almighty, just give give somebody a chance, you know? Like I know yeah. I, I know they're inexperienced because I can see it watching him. He can also win despite that inexperience. What if, and this is wishful thinking, and this is no nothing against James Drake, who is a sensationally talented individual, and he can be a part of this stable if you want as well. But what if, because they're doing bubble all of them in NXT, Zach Gibson comes up to partner Rich Holland and be his mouthpiece, and you have Debar versus the pub. <laughs> <laughs> you, you worked for it, I'll give you that. 
You can have another barroom brawl match or whatever it was that the APA had back <laughs> in the day. Look, any situation in which old Zach makes his way out of whatever he's doing on Tuesday nights and into this, like maybe that's the long play with this gimmick he's got in NXT 2.0, that he's like, I'm trying to fool people just to get myself off this show. <laughs> This is diversionary tactic where he taps everybody on the shoulder and then we all look the other way and he disappears off to SmackDown. Just fucking better. He deserves so much better. Um, right. In the back, Drew McIntyre goes up to Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville. He wants in on the Black Friday Battle Royal at the main event. Uh, and Pierce and Deville say, well, we'll consider you, but we haven't quite finished the list. The show's happening, guys. What are they doing? It's the main event. Like normally is the question not what's the main event. Well, we actually know what the main event is. So now the new question is who's in the main event? <laughs> got it, but just who's in it? It's just the idea of being like, yeah, we'll consider you. Why wouldn't you put Drew McIntyre in there? Like he has he lost on SmackDown? I uh, this is the thing. Like they be, they've become Pierce and Deville have so quickly become cartoonish idiot villains that there has been no effort made. And this is this is why I sounds so whingy and boring, but I, I'm saying this to people that are wanting so much more from this show and have still got expectations for the quality control to be higher on this show. At no point did a babyface do anything to Sonya Deville. I know Brock Lesnar attacked Adam Pearce, but like no babyface did anything to Sonya Deville to make her kind of an arsehole to Naomi. It just sort of happened one week. Mm. Yes, Adam Pearce fell afoul of Brock Lesnar and got f 5 out of his trousers that one week. But... <laughs> Otherwise, no. And has Brock Lesnar ever showed any loyalty to anybody else on this roster that would make that should make Adam Pearce think, yeah, I kind of need to be a dickhead to Drew McIntyre, otherwise he's going to get his friend Brock Lesnar back out here. Like, there's no reason for Pearce to immediately just at the snap of his fingers, like he did just for the Survivor Series. I want what's best for the Raw team, or do I? <laughs> like the crap, lousy supervillain that can't even follow through with their schemes. I just, just. This sort of nonsense really puts a downer on the whole night because later on we're going to get more of this Deville stuff. And I guess more of the Pierce stuff in the main event as well. And they're just, it's impossible to discern their motivations. Absolutely mm. impossible. They are bad guys because WWE only knows bad guys in this role. All they associate with people, this is, you know, we've gone over this before as well. The tragic irony of the way that WWE characterizes these people is that WWE as a company only associates ineptitude with authority. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that sort of ginormous cell phone that you get every single time this happens, and yet they don't realise it. And Vince McMahon trades out the people that sit on his right hand about every three or four years because it's <laughs> on them, apparently, and not on himself. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, next we got the... <clears throat> Thanksgiving leftovers throwdown. It was Rick Boogs versus, I don't know what we're calling him now. Angle? Angel? Th- Angel? Well, <laughs> you see, you see, uh, obviously everybody loses their names. So that's sort of gone without saying. But yeah, there was a lot of Angel this week and he's been Angel. When it, when it was part of, it wasn't like sort of, it, it was one day it was on an, like Antonio Cesaro and then they made him, they shortened it and they started calling him Cesaro. <laughs> like they at least stuck with the original pronunciation of the first bit. But like, I swear Vince has just seen this written down on a whiteboard without ever having listened to the pronunciation. I don't know, too long. Gaza, that's got some wrestling, that's got some historic wrestling connotations. <laughs> Get rid of that. He's, <laughs> he's just, he's Angel now. It's, uh, it's Angel. That's right, Angel. Good work, buddy. <laughs> So right at the bell, uh, Angel, I'm going to call him Angel, bollocks to him. Uh, hmm. He hits Boogs with a drop kick and they brawl around ringside and then uh, he tries to slam Boogs into the ham. Not this one, the meat-based one. <laughs> you haven't um, Boogs fights back though, gut wrench suplex, gets a near fall off that. Does that thing where he just chucks him about like an empty tracksuit in the words of Adam Nicholas. Uh, then goes for that abdominal stretch that he usually uses to transition into using them as a guitar, basically. But then Umberto Carrillo jumps up on one of the tables and starts shredding on Boogs' guitar. This distracts him. Uh, he's yelling at Umberto. Nakamura comes over and slams Umberto through the table, which... Pops the crowd, but of course, immediately Boogs turns around, super hit, super kick from Angel, the wing clipper, one, two, three, the uh, handsome bastards steal one again. I've got a few things to say on this. I thought the leg sweep table bump was pretty amazing. Great, wasn't it? It exploded as well with all the stuff on it. Couldn't have gone any better. Those um, those daft things, like again, like as you say, like all the stuff on the table, the move itself, the very idea that a man is standing shredding an electric guitar on top of a table full of food, all of that is so convoluted to arrive at one bump. However, if that bump looks awesome, then you kind of justify it. It's like, should we have a leftovers match? Like they've started with the bump, haven't they? Yeah. Like it'd be pretty cool if Nakamura leg sweeps a bit through a table. Ah, oh, we're going to get there with food all over him. Well, let me sit you down and introduce you to a leftovers match between. And let's be honest, was the implication that the wrestlers themselves are kind of the leftovers? Like Boogs is kind of Nakamura in seconds, isn't he? It's like, mm. if you can we have Nakamura? We've got Nakamura at home. It's Rick Boogs. Like the. <laughs> So there was sort of a bit of an implication there. And obviously, as we find out, there was a 
another reason, bit of hashtag LTST for the food still being out there worldwide. Mm-hmm. Still, bit of, I think they know what they're doing. It's, uh, this is a different breed of cat. Um, match was absolutely nothing. Um, I love how Rick Boogs looks. I love the, I, I love the idea of Rick Boogs the wrestler, but I'm yet to see a single wrestling match that really puts that over. What I mean by that is he's absolutely jacked. He's super fired up. He makes the most basic stuff funny. And it's like he grabs a hold and then does like his weird scream. Yes. Or he looks out and or he looks out and he catches the eye of somebody in the cheapest seat in the building. I, like I love that, but it's like, right, now like do something entertaining with it. If you could apply that to anything like that gets you above the 60 range on a SmackDown game, like or a WWE 2K game, then you've got a chance. But there's a long way to go there. Uh the big payoff was the bump, was the guitar bump, and it was great. I will say this. Uh, you're completely right about Rick Boogs. If slash when now I've been suckered in by that advertising, I get the latest 2K. Adam Bourne's resurgence is going to be built on the moveset <laughs> of Rick Boogs, basically. I'm going to be seven foot tall, 500 pounds, and I'm going to do that. I don't know what even know what it's called. He likes lifts them and just lifts them from one side to the yeah. other. And then there was one where I thought, oh, there was one bit where I thought he was going for some sort of power bomb or something. And I thought, oh, he's got his shifting in position here because he's he's gonna worried he's gonna drop on head. And then I realized he was just sort of shaking him upside down like a bully would to a small child (laughs) school dinner money off him. But yeah, I love him. The bump was the best bit, and everything else was just kind of here and there. Charlotte Flair's walking out. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I just want to say as well, there was a there was a bit of a mess outside because of all the food and the dear Pat McAfee. Talking about how there's a mess in my pants right now with uh, with Nak because he loves Nakamura and Boogs that much. Just so every now and then when we're kind of critical of when he does that, which he did in this next segment with Charlotte Flair, where like she's saying, she's thinking she's gonna go do that thing she's thinking she's doing. <laughs> this is sort of why we take the piss a little bit because he's it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, Charlotte's walking to the ring and we cut backstage and, and Kyla is there with Postman Pierce asking about the participants in the Battle Royal. He says, once I get approval, I'll post the list. I'm there tapping my watch going, you better get it quickly, pal, because we've got, we're running out of matches and segments on this show. Uh, Braxton, I, I, I thought this next bit was hilarious. Braxton asks, asks about Brock Lesnar's suspension. And was this meant to be a flashback? Because it was like... <laughs> There was a weird filter on it, and it was shot like Pierce went, hmm. And you might as well have had the dream, like, <laughs> thing. And he looked back on him getting his head caved in by Brock Lesnar. And then Pierce talks, and then it cuts back, and he's like, mm, yeah, we all remember that, don't we? <laughs> and then he said, oh, I've got loads of medical bills and therapy sessions. And he says, oh, I doubt his suspension would end. What was all this? Because <laughs> of how he looked off to the side. I wonder if, like, if it wasn't a dream sequence, you know the, um, you know the raw bot or the Fox progressive, oh yeah, that like pull, pulls the like the holographic screen out at the start. I wonder if you're just floating backstage and Kayla's like, "Hey, robot, give me that a clip, will you?" <laughs> he just like he pulls an indiv- like an invisible screen down, and WWE wrestlers can now see the holograms, but we can't. It's very much Warrior in the Mirror stuff. <laughs> like they can, like that robot that we're seeing. What a lousy animation! The rest is just like, "Hey, get out of my way!" And I'm trying to do my entrance. That's frigging massive robot next to me. I can't remember if it's the SmackDown one or the Raw one, but it does pop me every week when it flies in. And it effectively, it's physical this, so it's not going to be very good on a podcast, but it sort of thumb, it thumbs to the side going, have a bloody look at what the matches we've got today. <laughs> yeah. It pops me every this? time like, this isn't bad, is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it should be this every week, but still. 
we are one step closer, especially if he's going to get any kind of push. We are one step closer to the TNA device of hearing Jeff Hardy's thoughts. So I welcome the return of I'm amazed we didn't get that at the pandemic, quite frankly. But Jeff's been pitching all sorts of nonsense on the internet lately. So maybe it's a compromise. They're like, no, you can't have Willow. No, Jeff, you can't have rotating ladder on fire ring. Fine, you can have your internal thoughts being broadcast on television. Okay, cool. Thanks very much. I'll see you later. I can see the writing in my head. Can right I have Brock's Y Gen's music? I'll give you literally anything other than that. <laughs> uh, that, sounds, right. that sounds like me speaking to Santa. <laughs> so Charlotte Flair is getting interviewed by Michael Cole. He talks about Survivor Series, whether or not she's upset for losing to Becky Lynch and Flair. Completely no sells it. She's now more upset with the referee. Her victory was kind of cheap. Uh, effectively, says she didn't deserve it and it doesn't really count anyway, so let's all move on from it. So Cole says, all right, what are your plans for the future? And she says, well, in reality, I'm still the most dominant woman in sports entertainment. It's going to remain that way. This brings out Tony Storm to interrupt her. She said, I know, I knew even Becky was in your head. I called it last week and your obsession with her was always going to cost you the match. So what happens next? You come after me because I stood up to you? Well... I thought I'd come out. I'm right here. I'd make it easy for you and stand out in front of you. And Charlotte says, oh, that's cute. I, I, I barely know you even exist. There are levels to this game. And she says, how would you like to be embarrassed tonight? And she tries to cheap shot Tony Storm. But Tony tosses her out of the ring. And I think, fantastic. What a setup. Tony's in her head. Tony's got a number. This is great. You've really started to establish Tony. Oh, wait a second. The segment's not over. Tony Storm goes to the outside where the tables are still set up. And Charlotte pies her in the face with some of the leftovers. And I think, oh, you done done it now. That's it. And Charlotte's laughing at her and going, oh, you're like a bloody idiot. And I think, well, this is going to be a brilliant beatdown to establish Tony Storm. And then Charlotte just keeps mocking her. And then Tony goes after her again and gets pied a second time. And there's all, you know, whatever the, the pie foot cream or whatever it is dripping off Tony Storm's face. And then the segment just ends. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what what was it? I know what this was, right? I know that this was them wanting to tell the story that I'm recapping something rather than reviewing it here. They want Tony Storm, Pat McAfee. Tony Storm doesn't know what to do. She's stunned in shock. Um, she'll get her revenge next week, is what she's saying. Um it, that's what they were, that's the story they were telling is that she was so shocked by this act of petty disrespect from somebody that calls herself the queen that she was stunned and then while she was stunned a second <laughs> identical act of petty disrespect <laughs> and she was she was double stunned um I, I know that's what they were trying to do and i dare say next week because i sense there's been a bit of frustration um about the i went and like had a look This is going to bring me to my next point, by the way, so I'm not just doing this for the joy of it. I went and had a look at some of the YouTube comments for this segment, and uh, there was a lot of people um, complaining that Tony Storm just stood there and did nothing. Come on, I thought it was Tony time. I want to see you get your revenge, blah, blah, blah. Why would you just stand there and take it? All these rational takes. There was also people, Wilborn, sitting there with their penis in their hand as they watched and typed, because that was why I went onto YouTube to check this video out, because WWE... I think they know what they're doing. They listen to this podcast. They know that we've been to some of the darkest corners of the internet for the five-star review before. And they know, as well as you and I know, that there is a certain 
kink, of which I'm not going to shame anybody for. I'm going to shame the people that insist on typing out their kink in the middle of a YouTube comment section <laughs> on a wrestling video. But I'm not going to shame the people that might go out there and enjoy um, people getting pies in the face as their thing. Um, but WWE certainly know about it. 1.2 million, the SmackDown top 10 from one day ago, as we record what? this, has done. 1.2 million, the thumbnail, Tony Storm with cream pie all over her face. They are not stupid. I think the segment individually has done well over half a million on there from the SmackDown, like the, you know, they break it all down into recaps. If you mm. ever like, if you ever, if you ever just want a second bite of the SmackDown cherry, <laughs> you go treat yourself to those recaps on YouTube. You'll see they're all split into segments. It's one of the highest rated segments from the split segments. And I, 1.2 million with Tony Storm with Pie in her face from the top 10 moments from Friday, just gone SmackDown in 24 hours. They're not daft. This is kind of gross. Um, as a wrestling segment with which I will try and analyze it as, Tony Storm has just not had... If you want a character to... If you want to be shocked at how a character is so frozen in embarrassment that they get a pie in the face twice, then you need to know that that character is like so tough and so cool and calm and collected that it would take something like this to stop them in the tracks. Do you know who could get pied in the face twice, stand there, sell it, and then absolutely kick ass next week? Orange Cassidy. Because we know him to be this guy that is so cool and calm under pressure that he will be livid about this, but he's just not quite got the energy to fire up about it right right now. <laughs> but somebody is gonna somebody is gonna get an orange punch square in the face for the fact that he's taking two pies in the face. This is not Tony Storm yet, not by a long way. What's she done on SmackDown? She's wrestled like two or three times. She said she's her mom was into the 80s, you yeah. know, so that's why she is who she is. This character hasn't got any. I love Tony Storm. I know you do too. I know yeah. a lot of people listen to this podcast will have loved Tony Storm for years off the back of some of the stuff she's done. But strictly in the context of SmackDown, she is weeks into a role that has barely been fleshed out. And you're chucking two pies at her and making her stand there and take them. Yes, she's going to be livid this week. Like, and yes, she's going to try and take her revenge on Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte has underestimated her. But is it really like, does this really make you believe that Tony Storm is going to defeat mm. Charlotte Flair for the title? Hard, hard no, and thus this was a failure. There will be comparisons to the Tony, the booking of Tony Storm and Liv Morgan against champions Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch trying to no-sell the events of a big fight they had on a Sunday. I think Liv Morgan's in way better shape because at least you can entertain the idea that she might take the title off Becky Lynch. You can't entertain that remotely with Tony Storm. After this. Bloody, at least Liv Morgan, as much as she got emotional, got a shot in. Tony Storm just stood there. Mm -hmm. I just I was really frustrated by all this. Anyway, um, Sasha Banks uh, earlier on in the day has approached Sonia Deville and says, well, she, they recut that bollocks about her getting eliminated by her own teammates from Survivor Series. And she was furious about her not being able to pick her partners, being the team captain and all. She says Naomi should have been on the team, but Deville wouldn't let her. And Sonia Deville, of course, denies having any problems with Naomi and then announces Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler. Before we got that, though, uh, another comic book style video for Zia Lee as a bully picking on her older brother and then Zia Lee kicked his head in. I do like them. I love this. Love this. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's any chance they can do as good a job with this live as they've done in the vignettes because Zia Lee, the protector, um, is a great gimmick out the box. We can forget about the misfires on NXT. Um, I... I really love this and I almost never wanted to debut because I just don't think they can. Like, who protects anybody? Everybody hates everybody on this show. Like, mm. is SmackDown really the place for a protector? It's not nice enough, is it? 
No, they are going to ruin it when she goes to the main roster. <laughs> but these video, these comic book style videos, I think are, are really, really good, good. Really good. So then we got Sasha and Naomi versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler. Sonia Deville on commentary again, denying paying off the referee or having any problems with Naomi, uh, who herself fights back early on, catches Natalia with a drop kick on the floor, but then Natalia slams her and Baszler kicks her as hard as she goddamn can in front of Sonia Deville. Um, and uh, as Baszler is attacking Naomi from behind later on, Banks runs in to hit the backstabber to take us into the break. Uh, when we come back, the heels are in control, but then Naomi fires back that springboard split-legged double stunner on Baszler and Natalia. Naomi's trying to get to her corner and tag in Sasha Banks, but Baszler pulls Banks off the apron and she beats her down, but Banks fights back and hits a meteora on Shayna Baszler. Natalia's in control, though. She hits a discus lariat. She gets a near fall off that. Naomi's up on the apron, but uh, she catches Natalia on the top rope. Sunset flip. One, two, three. Naomi proves just how great she is. And she celebrates and celebrates right in front of Sonya Deville, who doesn't do anything, just implores and says how well she's done. What did you make of all this? Um, I don't know. The... A couple of things, though. I did like, um, I like Sasha Banks being involved in this to the extent where they might have done a better job of Sasha Banks versus Sonja Deville in one week than they have with Naomi in, yes. in six. And one of the reasons that is, and we've just spoke about this with Tony Storm, is because the character that Sasha Banks is interacting with is now several weeks old. Sasha Banks sees Sonya Deville as a more established character as a heel. When Naomi did it, there was no justification for it. No. Sonya Deville just... It's like to flick a switch one week and be an arsehole to Naomi. Sasha Banks is responding to a trait of Sonya Deville. So I think that's why that feels a bit more earned. That line about, like, am I not the one in the suit? So who's really the boss or whatever it was? I thought it was, that was pretty cool. Mm. And it certainly sold me on the prospect to see Sasha Banks and uh, Sonya Deville. I like um, just watching friendship on WWE television. And Sasha Banks really wanted to go to bat for Naomi and help her turn this corner against this oppressive regime. I really liked watching that. Um, and I didn't mind, I suppose, if you can call it development, that long, Christ, it went on a long time, that long shot of DeVille clapping and Naomi sort of stood there. You know, what do you think of that? And Sonny DeVille just keeps on clapping. And, and it, the idea, I think it went on so long because you were thinking, is Naomi's just going to swing for here because she mm. cannot take DeVille's cockiness, but she didn't. She held back because she's trying to not create any more obstacles mm. for herself when this character already was. So I, I didn't mind that. Unfortunately, in order for that story to get told, you kind of need the match to rule. And I thought the match was bad. Uh, it was tell you in it as well. Pretty... <laughs> there you go. Well, you've cleaned that one up anyway. I thought it was no one stood there and went, Oh, she's a discus lariat. She's got this match won. No, that is true. <laughs> I thought the execution was pretty sloppy throughout. It just four of them didn't have a particularly good night, and it this felt long as well. Um, I don't know, maybe like. I didn't check the match time on it. It just felt like it passed its peak by quite a way. And um, 10 minutes. Naomi made it there. Okay. That's maybe not as long as I thought it was, which is not a compliment. But Naomi kind of, like, she, good flourish at the end, but needed to have a total banger for this storyline to keep moving forward with this. Come on, Sonia, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm. Um, and yet this was the night that Sonia had to uh, stand and applaud. It's all still a bit weird. I, I Like, I want the best for everybody involved. That's... Not it's a, a, a lovely not, video not good, package not when we get the match. Oh, Christ, I am. We're going to be really buzzed for the match as well. Really buzzed for it. But sometimes week on week, it doesn't hang together. No. 
Uh, right, just in time, they've put up the list for the Black Friday Battle Royal. Uh, and there's everyone gathered around looking at the list, seeing if they've made the team or whatever it is. Uh, and Drew McIntyre walks up, but before he can get there, Seamus stops him and says, you know, he's not on the list, mate. And he laughs and walks off. Uh, we find out and then before the main event, the Edge is returning on Monday Night Raw. We'll be discussing that on the Raw preview later on today. Uh, and then we got the Black Friday Battle Royal uh, participants. We have the Viking Raiders, Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew Gulak, Mansoor, Mace, Angel or Angel or whatever you call him, Berto Carrillo, Jinder Mahal, Shanky, Jeff Hardy, Rick Boogs, Cesaro, Happy Corman, Ridge Bloody Holland, Madcap Moss, uh, and Drew McIntyre comes out. Oh, Seamus as well. Did I miss Seamus off? You didn't miss Seamus, no. Good uh, good sort of review of the lineup there. How did Ridge Holland, Rick Boogs, Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss get on in their matches on this show, Wilbur? Not well. Not well, yeah. How did um, Drew McIntyre get on in his match? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think he got the W. Why is he not in the Battle Royale? <laughs> Well, he marches out. He's got his sword in his hand. I think he's tried <laughs> to kill some people. Um, clears the ring. And Adam Pearce runs out to try and get him to leave. McIntyre refuses to leave until he gets allowed back in the Battle Royal. And then when we come back from the break, we're just told, oh, yeah, he just yeah, he changed his mind. He just left. <laughs> what was this? I have no idea. I thought it was going to be like, you know, he's ordered to the back. He's been suspended or he's been punished or whatever. For No, he just went, I'm not going anywhere. And they went, no, you gotta, you're not in the match. And then he went... All right, well, fair enough then. But I'm not happy. It's it's that conversation, isn't it? Well, uh, wait, well, no, well, I wanted you to say it now. Like, it's not about wanting what he wants anymore. It's just about the fact he wanted the recognition. Yeah. Well, I'm not going in. Just no, you didn't want me in the first place, so you can't have me now. It's like a really lousy negotiation scene or something, isn't it? Yeah. All right, fine, you can get in. Well, no, not um, just saying it. We see. I want, the I want you to want me. <laughs> we see the Usos uh, watching telly appropriately, and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman looking straight on at a television backstage. Weird. Um, let's go through yeah. the eliminations then. Uh, Gulak was the first elimination because, yeah, why can't we have nice things with Drew Gulak? Cesaro <laughs> chucked him over the top. He was staying on the apron, but the Zane just kicked him off, basically. Uh, Mansoor tries to skin the cat, but uh, Sheamus and Ridge Bluyola knock him out. Moss chucks out Mace and Shanky as well. Um, then Cesaro tries to sneak up on Moss, but he fights back. Cesaro takes the advantage to, to the opportunity to throw out Ridge Bloody Holland, uh, but Moss eliminates Cesaro. Moss and Corbin have a moment where they're like, yeah, we're going to team together uh, after Corbin had attempted to throw out Moss. Uh, and then there's obviously, they can't coexist, these teammates. Corbin, having laughed with Moss for a split second, throws him out and Moss goes, oh, you bugger, laughs and <laughs> that's that. Um, Angel, Angel, Chucks out Rick Boogs. And then Los Lotharios go after the Viking Raiders, but the Viking Raiders dominate and chuck them out. Then they knock Zane out of the ring, but importantly, he rolls under the bottom rope. Uh, Sheamus eliminates both Viking Raiders. Ricochet has a moment where he runs wild, but Corbin cuts him off. Ricochet then fights back, but Corbin hits a chokeslam backbreaker. Uh, Ricochet recovers, hits Corbin with a brilliant missile dropkick, but then turns around straight into a bro kick from Sheamus, who then eliminates Ricochet. Bit good that he wasn't the normal contender. I thought he maybe had an outside chance as we got down to these final few. Hardy hits Sheamus with a back elbow and a whisper in the wind, and then throws Corbin into the ropes, hits a twist of fate. They're the final three, as far as we know. Sheamus and Corbin decide to work together to eliminate Hardy. But of course, 
They can't trust each other. Corbin turns on Sheamus, chucks him out of the ring. Corbin celebrates, but then Hardy throws out Corbin. He thinks he's won. He starts celebrating. But of course, Sami Zayn was not eliminated. He went under the bottom rope. So he jumps back in, eliminates Jeff Hardy, and he wins the Battle Royal. We'll talk about what happened with Kyla immediately after this. But it's about dad time. Sami Zayn is the number one contender, Michael Hamplett. Yeah, so at the very end of this match, or I guess not the very end, in the, the false finish, I guess you would say, Jeff Hardy is stood on the uh, on the top rope and he's celebrating. And I, like just seeing Jeff Hardy win twice in his hometown, like really, like I was jumping up and down, I was doing my Hardy Boys fingers, and then Sami Zayn runs in and throws him over the top, and I'm going straight to YouTube and I'm looking at things we learned from Stone Cold Steve Austin's interview with Jeff Hardy because on YouTube you've got Adam Wilborn going better, 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 not for Jeff Hardy but for Sami Zayn because if that video that you put out on Friday didn't break the internet, I think this did. Sami Zayn becoming the number one contender to Roman Reigns is so funny, not just because that the idea of that match is sort of great, mm. but because we get so few opportunities to just earnestly praise them. They have done something good here. Sami Zayn earned and got robbed of a WWE title shot on Raw, did he not, with the egg? Mm. This was that, 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 an egg, right? Fair play to it because what a driver of angles it has been. This egg, we got an entire Survivor Series podcast out of it. Raw got half a number out of it, and now Sami Zayn is getting a story from it. He was robbed of that title shot on Raw because, um, what is it? What what did Vince say? Snitches get stitches or something like that. Yeah, no one likes a snitch. I can think of a few people that could listen to him. And uh, anyway, we're going to SmackDown, and Sami Zayn gets another shot. And then immediately, which you're about to review, has that undermined by something with the sinking feeling in all of our stomachs that he's going to get robbed of that shot as well. And well, Sami Zayn's conspiracy theory has just gone off the chair, like ratcheted up to 11 at this point. Anything that was sort of starting to lose steam, he's never had such a good mm. argument, I guess, for his chaos and his conspiracy theorist bananas nonsense. He's got something. And I think they've got something and they finally acknowledged it. And it's pretty good. Yeah. Sami Zayn is the real bollocks to Bianca Belair, EST of WWE, EST standing for egg <laughs> storytelling, of course. Because, yeah, <laughs> he got screwed on Raw. He sneaks in like a sneaky bastard he is. He wins here. The bloodline go, oh, great, it's only Sami Zayn. And they show <laughs> that backstage. There's a slight fear of mine that they're going to go, Sami's going to put his title shot on the line against Drew McIntyre. And then I don't want Drew McIntyre to win that match if it happens. Mm. And I don't want him yeah. to backdoor his way into a title shot like that, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, the fact that this was immediately followed, like you say, with Kayla Braxton sliding in, she's they already announced, by the way, this was actually genuine thought through stuff. Kayla was there at ringside because she was going to interview the winner at the end of the show. She slides in to interview Zane, but goes, actually, never mind about all that. He's, his face is a picture. And she says, <laughs> I've just got some breaking news. Brock Lesnar's suspension is over. He's going to be at SmackDown next week. Postman Pierce isn't happy. Neither is the bloodline, of course. And Sami Zayn, they're burying the lead, basically, because Brock Lesnar's suspension is lifted. I thought this was, I'm not allowed to say it, but the word that Sidge says that begins with D, <laughs> often about AEW, a really clever ending to SmackDown. And maybe that's why I felt so good about it this week. Yeah, no, genuinely really like the ending. Um, they have 
they did enough across this two hours with Kayla and Paul Heyman. Like the idea that Kayla's got an ad, like Kayla's got motivation to be in there because Paul Heyman, the dickhead, has swirled this rumor around that she might be under the gun. She might be looking to lose a job or that he's going to pull a string and she's going to lose her job. And then for them still to add the detail that she's going to interview the winner anyway, it's so un-WWE. And yeah. I mean, compared to compared to other things on this show, not just like recent weeks, on this episode, there are things that didn't go to that much trouble to figure out. But yes, I, like you, appreciated those details greatly. Sami Zayn's acting in the background was just tremendous here. I want Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, more than I want Roman Lesnar too. I was going to say two, but it's about 22, isn't it? But for the context of this, yeah. it's Roman Lesnar. Roman versus Lesnar too. Um, yeah, I just, I really like that this, felt more like Sammy's week rather than it just being a funny night with the egg. Mm. However, he was he's a SmackDown guy, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that correct? So if he'd have defeated Big E for the WWE title that night, which I'm sure WWE have thought all of this through, would he have taken the belt to SmackDown for there to be two champions? Or would he have had to undergo some sort of belt swap with somebody on Raw? How would that have worked in the end? While we're, while we're applauding them for all their thought of details, Wilbon, how would that have worked? Uh, uh, well, I just put all the belts on SmackDown because it's the only good show. <laughs> no titles on Raw either. A great ending to SmackDown. And credit to WWE, I was 100% thinking, oh my God, I can't wait for next week's show. And not just because Brock Lesnar is going to be there. So hmm. as a conclusion to a show that it was a bit all over the place, I thought they, they stuck the landing, I think is the right phrase. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, let us know your thoughts on SmackDown this week on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. I say you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn, where you can find a link to donate to my Movember attempt. Thoughts, Hamflit? Ah, terrible. See, my Movember attempt, where you can donate, and then you come to me and go, thoughts. Wilborn, your charitable gesture looks like shit. But uh, but it's a very very but it's a very very worthy cause, and I think you're doing a nice thing. Uh, at What Culture WWE for all of us, as I said, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on with the Rampage review and the Monday Night Raw preview, of course. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.